It's March and winter's finally released its grasp on the woods and waters surrounding our areas and that means it's time to get the boat out. We're going to talk about the first launch of the year on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. We appreciate you joining in as you do every week. We appreciate that. Please mash that subscribe button while you're here on YouTube or Podbean or wherever you might be listening to us from. We would appreciate that. And of course, it's brought to you every week by Sportsman's Warehouse. Visit them at sportsmans.com. They're one of the 133 stores nationwide. Guys, it's March. This makes me happy. March is good. March is so much happier than February for me. <clears throat> and I make no bones about the fact that I'm not a wintertime guy. I don't like the cold a whole bunch. And for whatever reason, when the calendar turns to March, my spirits get a whole bunch happier. And uh, it just makes me realize we're headed towards spring and it feels a little bit better out there. And <clears throat> one of the first rituals of spring for anglers across the country, of course, is to start worrying about getting the boat out. And... There's a guy that lives in a climate where about five months out of the year, four months out of the year, we can't boat at all. Uh, I can certainly relate to that. Anybody in the Northeast United States or anywhere north of me here in the Western United States, we're used to putting the boat away for part of the year. And, uh, and now it's time to get it out. And one of my favorite things to do is to grab a beer and go sit over at the boat ramp on the day that the boat ramp, that the boat opens, which in my case is April 1st, they'll open the ramps to boating there'll be a whole slew of boats that show up and don't perform how they're supposed to because guys didn't do their homework at home before they left. Now they're at the boat ramp and now they got problems. So let's talk about how we avoid some of those things, the common mistakes we see with a boat that's been in storage for you know, a few months <clears throat> or maybe longer than that. And that needs to be dealt with in terms of uh, making launch worthy. And some of the things are safety issues, some of the things are performance issues, some of the things are legal issues, and we're going to run through a whole list of a few of them, so buckle up. Now, for me, the first thing is, is the performance issue of the boat. Is it going to do everything it needs to do? And that starts with the trailer. So if your boat's been sitting for four months, let's say, let's say you parked it in November, uh, it's been sitting for four, four and a half months by the time you get it in the water. It's highly likely that even if you did some work at home, when you parked the boat, that it's going to need some TLC right now. And I'm going to start from the ground and work my way up. And that obviously means the trailer. So the first thing I'm going to look at is the trailer tires because they got cold over the wintertime. The air got dense and perhaps some air leaked out of there. Uh, I'm going to air up the tires. And while I'm on the tires, I'm going to check all of them, air them. I'm going to check them for any sort of, of cracking that might have happened over the winter. I've had towed trailers and had tires blow off them. It will invariably do damage to your trailer and likely your boat as well. So check your tires. Blowouts are far more frequent right after winter than they are the rest of the year. And that's because the tires rot in the wintertime, especially if the boat sits outside. So check that out and make sure the tires look good on the inside and the outside, and there are plenty of air in them. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's the first step. Next step while I'm there, if I didn't service them in the fall, I'm now going to service my bearings right now. Now, I've, I have a strong preference for servicing bearings in the fall. 
and I'm talking about the wheel bearings on your trailer, and it may be just a simple grease, depending on how old your trailer is. It may be that you just need to, to grab a grease gun, run some zerks in there, or some squirts in the zerk, I should say, and, uh, and, and grease them, and they'll be fine, good as new. Whatever grease comes out around that bearing, look at that for condition. If it has changed color, it's probably been moisture inside that bearing, and it's probably not ideal. If you took care of them in the fall, they should be fine. That's one thing that should be fine over the course of the winter. If you if you cleaned your bearings in the fall, maybe cleaned them, packed them, uh, and greased them in the fall, then yeah, you should be good. If you didn't, consider doing that in the spring because again, that's when they fail, especially because they've been sitting in one spot without moving all winter. So take care of the bearings on the trailer. At the same time, while you're doing that, plug the trailer in, make sure all the lighting works. Um, even to the point of grabbing the wiring and giving them a light jiggle on the back of all the lights and everything, make sure you don't have any connections. In my personal case, I have had several instances of rodents eating the wiring on my trailer or my boat or my cars for that matter. I live in a rural area, so <clears throat> I can tell you that wiring is a very weakness of a lot of boats. So check on the wiring. Uh, as well, make sure all your trailers and all, all your lighting and all that works. And if you have brakes, make sure those brakes are in reasonable condition before you take off. That's easy enough to check when you hook it to the truck. If you're going to have to take the tires and wheels off for packing bearings or anything, check the brakes at that point on your trailer. The other thing to check after wintertime is the tie-down straps. That is a legality issue. Make sure the boat is tied, that the straps are in good condition, that hold it on the trailer itself. From there, that's really all I can check in the wintertime. Uh, on the trailer, you might grease the marine jack as well because you're going to be using it a whole bunch in the spring and you might go ahead and run some grease on that marine jack just in case. But the, that's basically what I do with the trailer. Then we move to the boat and I'm going to again going to start at the bottom of the boat and work up from there. First thing first, surely, surely, surely you stored the boat with the plug out. When you go to put that plug, in Colorado where I live, it's illegal to tow the boat with the plug in. Depending on what state you're at, you can look at that. But if your plug is already out of the boat, check it for rot around the rubber, around the plug. I have spare plugs because it is so common that that plug will start to leak over time. And again, it's been sitting outside all or sitting out of the boat all winter and the rubber dries and then you put it in the boat and it cracks and then your boat leaks and you're not sure why. So check the plug in the spring and lube it. And they make uh, special lube just for boat plugs. You can also use Vaseline, but lube that thing so that it doesn't tear itself up going in and out of the, the port in the bottom of your hull. So check that. The other thing I'm going to do is check every single electrical component on the boat and make sure it turns on and turns off, boots up, does whatever it's supposed to do, whatever that particular component is supposed to do, make sure it does it. And it won't take you 15 minutes. Turn on each of your live wells pumps and make sure they make noise. Turn on your bilge pumps and make sure that those bilge pumps come on when they're supposed to. Same thing with your sonar units, the trolling motor, the whole nine yards. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, that you charge your batteries over the winter. But if you did not, if you put the boat away without maintenancing the batteries and you didn't charge them, I can pretty much guarantee you that they're gonna be low, if not dead. Check if you've got lead acid batteries, fill them, charge them up as best as they'll charge, then fill them with water, with distilled water all the way to the top, and then put the cap back on and check them again for voltage. If you fill them first and then you put them on the charger, they will boil over because that fluid will expand when it's charging. So if the battery's dead and low on water and you fill it and charge it, you're gonna make a mess that you don't want. So I recommend in the fall filling the batteries and charging them and then maybe plugging them in once or twice in the winter. 
If you didn't do that, then you need to service the batteries in spring. And that is by far the most common. The things I see most commonly failures at the boat ramp is there's a dead battery when you get there, a plug that doesn't hold water when you get there, or the third one, which I'm going to get to here in a minute, and that's a motor that won't start. But the batteries are simple and the most common thing to fail in the wintertime. So check those batteries out first and then check everything in your electronic system and make sure everything will turn on. I'm not talking about with a voltage regulator or something, you know, a voltage meter. I'm talking about just turning everything on and off. Do the lights work? Do the, you know, like I said, the sonar units, do all of that stuff turn on and do what it's supposed to do. Very, very important. Then I will use always start the motor before I go to the boat ramp. If you can't do that, I'll, we're going to come back to that question, but if assuming you can get a set of earmuffs for the motor uh, or screw the hose directly into the motor, whichever motor you have, and run that motor. Start it, make sure it'll start and run, bring it up to full operating temperature with the hose hooked up to it. That will save you so much headache, I can't even tell you how much headache that's going to save you because once you... Dr- put your family in the car and drive to the lake and back down the ramp, and then you find out your boat won't start, you're going to drive yourself crazy. So do that at home on the first warm day before you're going to go boating. Just make sure you drain the motor thoroughly, just like if you put it in the, in the water, because we will still get some days that are below freezing all the way into May. So drain the motor thoroughly. But <clears throat> starting it at home on a hose bib, Uh, will help you a whole bunch. If you can't, when you do get to the lake, I say leave the boat on the trailer, back it down the ramp, leave it strapped to the trailer and everything, back it down the ramp until the motor's just barely submerged so that the water pickups will will go ahead and pick up water and you don't burn the motor up, and then start it and let it come up to temperature. If it doesn't start, uh, obviously leave it on the trailer. If it starts and does what it's supposed to do, well then fine, then you can unhook it from the trailer and go ahead and push it off and go. But if you push it off the trailer first, and this is the one I've seen, we, especially if you don't power the boat on and off the trailer, you back down the ramp, you unhook the boat, you got your buddy with some ropes, you pull it off on the courtesy dock, the guy goes and parks the truck, you come back, now the boat won't start. Well, now the boat won't start and he can't get it back on the trailer without getting wet. And oh, by the way, it's March and freezing cold, so getting wet on the boat ramp because the boat won't start is no fun at all. So start it on the trailer if you weren't able to do it before you go to the um, the lake, at, you know, weren't able to do it at your house, <clears throat> which is what I strongly recommend you do. The other thing I would strongly recommend you do as far as starting that is the trolling motor, uh, pull the prop off if you didn't in fall, actually both motors, pull the props off and make sure that the prop shafts are clean and they are not covered in that 50 pound braid that you wound in there last fall and you didn't know about it. Now it's going to cut the seal on your trolling motor. So while you're giving your boat all this TLC, Check, pull the trolling motor prop off, make sure that it's clean. Same thing with the big prop underneath and put them back on. Uh, Very, very important that you check those things on a regular basis to save yourself some cash uh, as far as the trolling motor goes. Because if it cuts that seal and lets water inside the head of that trolling motor, you're going to get to buy a new trolling motor or at least rebuild it. And it's such a common problem that I check mine about once a month all summer long because line will invariably get caught in there over time. So keep that in mind. Another thing I'll do along those same lines uh, with the trolling motor is I'll, if, you're, if there's room on your trailer, I'll drop it over the boat, actually kind of deploy it, 
and make sure the steering cables haven't bound up over winter because it's been sitting in one position. If you have the old school steering cables, they are, it's a metal cable running through a sheath and they can seal up uh, or, or seize up. If they do, get yourself a cable luber down at the AutoZone or the boat store and lube those cables before you go out. Make sure the trolling motor will pivot side to side and steer and do all the things it's supposed to do. Obviously, with a more modern trolling motor, you don't have that option, but a lot of people still have cable steer trolling motors and that's how they work. Stepping away from the electronics and the motors, the next thing I'm gonna do is grab whatever requisite set of tools it is to for all the nuts and bolts on my boat. In the case of Ranger boats, I walk around with a couple different Allen wrenches and a couple different Phillips head screwdrivers and I will tighten everything on the boat in the spring if you didn't do that in the fall. And I mean everything, every lid latch, every you know, hinge, every rub rail screw, all the, whatever screws are on the boat, all the trim pieces, all of that, for whatever reason, I have no idea why, motorcycles and boats vibrate things loose far worse than cars do. And <clears throat> I have a brand new Ranger boat, still gonna vibrate stuff loose on a regular basis. So run through and tighten everything up, snug everything up. This is also an excellent time to inspect, visually inspect everything while you're at it and make sure that everything on the boat is tight and snug and you're not you know, gonna get, go run down the lake and find out that the, you know, the, the latch won't close on the compartment because the screw vibrated out and went down the drain hole. So check those things and make sure that's all done. If you do all the things I just ran through, you can go with a safe bet that when you get to the boat ramp, the boat itself is gonna work. And that's a big step in the right direction. The last thing I would do on my way to the lake is if you didn't top the boat in the wintertime with fuel, is go ahead and put some fresh fuel in on top of the other fuel. If you didn't put a stabilizer in it, also put a, maybe a fuel conditioner or consider putting a fuel conditioner in there as well. Uh, but the fresh gas alone will slosh around on your way to the lake and mix with the old gas and will typically work wonders in making sure that the boat will start and run uh, or will run well. Because it might start at your house and be fine and you get in the lake and then it doesn't want to come on pad, uh, you know, whatever, because the fuel's not in ideal condition. So adding some extra fuel, um, in the springtime will help you. It, my personal preference is to fill the boat in the fall and then put a fuel stabilizer in it and, uh, and then leave it that way, which is very good. But in lieu of that, top it off on your way to the lake, let it slosh around on the way to the lake, and then it should go good from there. But if you do all those things, now your boat should run, your trailer should get you there, you should be pretty good as far as all that goes. So the next thing I'm gonna look at is the safety issues. Uh, safety issues in our, Six one half does other with legality issues. Uh, so, for instance, I'm going to check, especially if they were stored in the boat, my life jackets, my throwables, and my inflatables, uh, and make sure that they're all in good condition. And when I mean good condition, I have a very close friend of mine who got a ticket because he got pulled over for a safety inspection on the lake. In so doing, his throwable, the handle on one side of the throwable, had come loose, the seams had failed, and the handle had come loose, and they wrote him a ticket because it was determined that if somebody had to use that floatable, that flotation device or throwable flotation device, that it would not be safe. And so, same thing with life jackets. If they're not in good condition, you'll still get a ticket whether you have it on or not. Uh, if there's any of the buckles are broke, you'll get a ticket for it. They have to be in 100% functioning order or by Coast Guard law, you will get a ticket for it. That's not a state thing, that's a Coast Guard thing. If you're on navigable water, you'll get a ticket for it. 
The other thing is if you're using inflatable uh, PFDs, make sure that the inflation device is still charged up. Along those same lines, make sure that your fire extinguishers on your boat are still charged up because that's another safety item. Uh, and if you didn't check your horn on your boat, then you need to make sure you have a whistle that's in the boat and that it will work. Otherwise, you don't have a noise-making device. And those are critical things. Back to the life jackets real quick, too, on a little bit of a side note. Let's say you do use inflatable PFDs, which I do as well. Understand that they don't replace a regular life jacket in your boat. You still have to have a regular manual life jacket in the boat in lieu of the inflatable ones. You can't just have the inflatable ones in the boat. So you really need to have both. And then you can wear the inflatable one if it makes you feel better. But to be legal by the letter of the law with the Coast Guard, you need to have both. So in my boat on any given day, there are five life jackets, two inflatables, and three standard life jackets in the boat, so I can have up to three anglers in my boat legally at any given time with my life jackets. And I can wear the throwables if the weathers are bad, or I can let kids wear them. So they also have to be sized for the people in your boat, so check those things as well. Like I said, the noise-making device. Another thing that I want to have in my boat all the time is a small repair kit. And that repair kit is only for the most common things that might go wrong. One of the things I always want to be able to do in my boat and was actually a nightmare last year for me is swapping battery terminals around because I had one battery that was giving me problems last year and it was defective from the factory. And I was constantly on the lake having to swap terminals around and basically redo uh, my 36-volt trolling motor system. And it only takes two tools. But if you don't have those two tools in your boat, you're broke down. And so uh, whatever very small toolkit, and I'm talking about a Plano 3600 box. So we're not talking about a lot of tools here. I'm talking about a Phillips head screwdriver, a flathead screwdriver, probably a pair of vice grips, some duct tape or electrical tape or both. Uh, maybe a zip tie or two, and any specialized tools you might need. In other words, a prop wrench, a whatever size of tool you need to get the trolling motor prop off, particularly if you have a spare prop with you. Um, those tools, whatever spe those are specialized tools, whichever ones of those you need specific to your boat or your engine. Incidentally, I just go went and got cheap a cheap specific thing for each thing like that so that they can stay in the boat and if they rust or whatever, it's not a big deal. They're not out of my main toolkit. So I went and bought a cheap socket and a cheap wrench and a cheap, you know, a couple things to leave in the boat and they fit exactly what I need and instead of taking them out of my high quality craftsman stuff. So <clears throat> that's a key thing to have your tools in your boat. Along those lines, I always carry a trolling motor prop. Nothing ruins a day faster than not having a trolling motor prop. If you moved out of your boat in the winter, uh, put everything back in the boat in the order in which which they came out. But for me, most everything comes out of the boat in the fall because I don't want the risk of, of any damage or anything in the boat. Plus, it gives me a chance to inventory and inspect everything. Another thing that I always check in the spring before going in the boat, and this is a big one for me and it should be for you as well, is a first aid kit. And the problem with a boat is you might, you know, maybe not everybody in the boat can drive it. And you're out on the lake and you cut yourself with a fillet knife or a fish gets you with a hook or any one of the horrible things go wrong, at least being able to stop the bleeding long enough to get back to the boat ramp would be a good thing to have. Uh, some simple things in there that will help you out. Uh, I like to keep 
Q-tips to get water out of your ear, in case you get water in your ear, you know, whatever it is that you need in your first aid kit, go ahead and, and keep those in there. One thing I strongly recommend for anglers is a loop about 18 inches in diameter of braided fishing line, somewhere in the 50-pound test line that's tied together and is fully tied and, and ready to go. So you have a closed loop of line, and I leave it in my first aid kit, and that is for pulling fish hooks out of yourself or your buddy or your dog or whoever gets a fish hook in them. That braided line, there's a string trick. If you go on our YouTube channel at Fishful Thinker, um, there's a trick for using that braided line to get a hook out. I can do it to myself. In fact, on that video, I do it to myself with a hook that's buried my own thumb. So it's not that difficult to do. It doesn't hurt. You just need to have the braided line ready to do it. And it's by far the easiest way to get a fish hook out of a human. And I've done a whole bunch of times. And everybody's surprised at how easy it is once you see how it works. So I just keep that loop handy. I use it about three times a year and it's worth having in my boat at all the time. So that's key there. So if you do those things, guys, I think you're going to be pretty close. A few other things that I recommend that you have in your boat for your first couple outings of the year that you might not be thinking about is uh, some sunscreen for one, because you haven't had exposure to sun as much maybe as you normally have. You get a nice day in the boat. Next thing you're, oh, geez, maybe I'll take my shirt off for a minute. Well, now you're back and shoulders and haven't seen sun in six months are now exposed to a boat. And oh, by the way, or to the sun, they're surrounded by water and you're going to burn. So sunscreen early in the season, especially. I'm not a sunscreen guy, but if you are, then you need it in the boat, particularly early in the year. And your feet, that's a classic one for me. The only time I use sunscreens on my feet, and that's because, again, my feet haven't seen, haven't seen sunshine all year, and I prefer strongly to fish barefoot. That's a personal preference, which means I'm going to have my shoes off, which means my feet are going to burn, and that makes you look like a rookie. So don't do that. The rest of it is all pretty straightforward, guys. In the spring, I carry a couple of towels just in case somebody does fall in the boat we can, or fall in the lake. We can dry them off in a hurry uh, because it's cold outside. Um, but other than that, not much else. It's pretty straightforward. It's really more about making sure the, the items are going to work when you get there. You have the obvious stuff like make sure that your registration is current and all of that. Um, you know, your tags, here's your tag attached to your trailer correctly. That's a famous one. Boats are famous for losing tags, you know, and make sure that's important. And, uh, and I think you'll, you'll be good. And the last thing I'll throw out there, a lot of time, walleye guys particularly like to night fish in the spring around the spawn. When I'm saying check all your electronic stuff, I meant to mention this earlier and I didn't, but make sure that your anchor light and nav lights also work. And the anchor light may require, they may require you to get them out and install them rather than just flipping a switch, but check your anchor lights and your nav lights and make sure that those work as well uh, before you go, if, particularly if you're gonna be out on the lake in the dark. So that's my spiel, guys. A little bit of diligence in the spring goes a long ways to making sure you're not that problem guy at the boat ramp. Um, you know that that'll be a big thing. If you're gonna, if you're not, if it's if you're new to boating and this is your first time ever, I'm gonna recommend, or the first year ever, I'm gonna recommend you do a bunch of practice backing the trailer anywhere but the boat ramp. Try backing that trailer into a parking spot in between the lines where there's no consequences and nobody waiting for you. Whatever you got to do to learn it, but learn that stuff first before you get to the boat ramp, and uh, and you'll be you'll be good. So. With that, guys, I would appreciate it very much if you would join the conversation on our social media. That's at Fishful Thinker on Facebook, Instagram, or, of course, YouTube. Please subscribe while you're there. You may be listening to this podcast there, and if you are, thank you for that. But we would really appreciate it if you would uh, mash that subscribe button wherever it is you're listening. 
and join the conversation on our social media. If you've got ideas for podcasts or you want to book a guide trip or you've got ideas for a TV show, I'm Chad at Fishful Thinker. You can send me chad at fishfulthinker.com an email. I would love to hear that. If I get a couple of requests for the same information, I'll do a podcast or something about it. I've uh, been doing this a very, very long time, guys, and so uh, fresh ideas are always welcome, and uh, would love to hear from you guys on that. And then lastly, of course, please check out Altitude Sports Entertainment and World Fishing Network. We're airing three to five days a week on both of those new content every week. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Mm-hmm.